Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio. This is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark here again with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down to earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for Zorba, the number to call is 1 800 462 7413. And, of course, along with your calls, some topics to talk about, Zorba. Yes, we're going to talk about what's better for the planet, plant-based burgers. Are they really good for you? We'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the FDA wants to put graphic warnings on cigarette packs. They have tried in the past. These warnings are on European cigarettes. They are on Canadian cigarettes. And why don't we have them on American cigarettes? Hmm. I wonder if the tobacco lobby might be involved mm. in this. And we have a burger recipe? No, we don't. It's couscous and cherry salad, and you said you liked it. I am shocked, I shocked, it shocked. sounds good to me. I can't believe it, Tom. Let's get to the phones now at 1-800-462-7413, 800-462-7413. Our first caller, Zorba, is a listener in Seattle, Washington. Hi, Yes, um, I'm in my early 70s and a health nut, and I was checked for herpes 1 and 2 antibodies during, uh, during a regular health screening, and I uh, showed negative for herpes 1 and 2 antibodies on the blood work. The other day I was at a social event. Um, a woman in her 80s, unbeknownst to me, has herpes, and she, a month before, was told by her doctor that she had something on the roof of her mouth, I picked up her water bottle by mistake and took a drink out of her water bottle, and I'm wondering if I could have caught her herpes or whatever else she's going on, you know. Oh, sure. Um, Oh, sure. Yeah. Do you you have something on the roof of your mouth? (laughs) No, but every... (laughs) Every little something, I think, is attributed to it, well, you know. Well, first of all, let me give you a couple of thoughts about this. Number one, why did they screen you for herpes 1 and herpes 2? Because I had an STD panel because um, my my companion died. Uh-huh. And whenever we end a relationship, you know, we always want to make sure we're, we're clear of sure. everything. Sure. And so I was just a precautionary person that I am and a health nut. You know, mm-hmm. I just wanted to do everything. Sure. So I had all this blood work done and everything was great. Which is wonderful. But, I don't yeah. know. I want to I want to go back to the to the screening for the herpes 1 or herpes 2. One is herpes 1 are generally cold. They're, these are cold sores and they can be in your case vaginal sores and herpes is a virus. Um, the screening test uh, doesn't necessarily tell us very much about things. In other words, whether right. you have a sore tells us a lot. A negative screening test uh, will make us feel good, but we don't really use it. You may have come in contact sometime in the past, could have been 30, 40 years ago, with herpes, and basically the antibodies that you have to it may have waned. So, for instance, the reason why we have shingles is the antibodies to chickenpox have waned and the shingles virus is in our nerves and all of a sudden it pops up. So even though you're negative for herpes 1 or herpes 2, if you've got a sore, you could actually have herpes 1 or herpes 2 living in the ganglion in your body. And I mention that because there's an important point here. Uh, Cold sores in the mouth are very common. 95, 90, 95% of the people, some number like that, actually have had a cold sore, and they're not the what are called aphthous ulcers from different viruses, but they have the herpes cold sore and taken care of it. So it could be living in your mouth somewhere. You'll know if it erupts because it will come out to you. And even though the herpes, the antibody test was negative, that doesn't mean that you actually wouldn't be able to fight it perfectly well because you could have had it, chances are 95%. You had it in the past and you fought it. And that antibody is not there, but the memory is somewhere in one of your cells, one of your, probably one of your white blood cells. And if it came in there, it would pop up and get rid of it. And then you would be positive for antibodies because the memory is there, kind of like a bank account of antiviral things. So I wouldn't be concerned. And a negative antibody doesn't mean you actually don't have that, haven't had that and don't have that in your curriculum vitae. And number two... I don't think you can really get it from bottled water. You get it from direct contact. So did you kiss the person that you got the bottled water from? 
Well, actually, well, she she drank from the bottle yeah. of water, yeah. put it down, yeah. and I'm sure more than 12 seconds went by or whatever. Yeah. And then she's left-handed, I'm right-handed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it- I reached for her her bottle, and I took one sip out of her, touching my lips uh-huh. to the bottle cap. Chances and then are, I realized- we are we are at zero. We are at zero, as close to zero can be. It's direct contact with the person. So if you engage in oral sex or oral genital sex with somebody who has herpes, that's the way you actually get it. You know, and this is equivalent to, oh, I got my STD from the toilet seat. It doesn't happen. The virus does not live outside the body. So let me assure you, it didn't happen from the bottle. But getting back to why you were screened, that's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, and and uh, I want to make a little aside here. There's a place called The Villages in Florida, and it's a, a senior yeah. citizen. You may have heard of it. And uh, for yeah. a number of years, they were the number one hotspot for HIV and sexually transmitted diseases in the country. Because the right. senior citizens, I mean, you know, their senior citizens are there. They don't have to worry about getting pregnant. And they were engaged in unprotected sex. And it was a hotspot for the CDC until they wiped it out and taught those seniors how to use protection. So I thought I would let you know you're doing the right thing by ending yeah. one relationship and making sure that you're safe for another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it was a consideration that maybe the saliva was harboring the virus on the top of the bottle. Not at and all. Then, oh. Not oh, at all. well, <laughs> hey, I can breathe a little more easily. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Oh, thank you. Thanks for your okay. call. We appreciate the call at 800-462-7413. Everyone should be as, uh, if you will, fastidious about their health as this senior citizen who's now engaged, obviously, is going to have another sexual relationship. And it's very interesting because we don't talk about sex in seniors. And one of the reasons is ageism. Uh, and I've talked about this probably for the last 25 or 30 years. Uh, there's an ageism with older people having sex for, well, why do they want to have sex? They're over 70. Aren't they already older, at, uh, you know, over it? And it's a very interesting thing because in other cultures, like in Germany uh, and in France, uh, sexual sexuality and sensuality is considered an important part of health, just like protecting yourself from heart disease mm-hmm. and exercising. Mm-hmm. When I get to 70, I'll remember. 800-462-7413 is our number. And before our next call, Zorba, plant-based burgers, are they good for you? Well, have you asked, have you ever had a plant-based burger? The, a veg, these are not just, these are not the usual kind of veggie burgers. There are vegetarian burgers, but they are burgers that actually are trying to mimic the flavor, the aroma, and even the bleeding color of meat. One of them is called an impossible burger, and it basically, they're using a genetically modified version of heme. Heme is the stuff that's basically in red blood cells, iron-containing molecule, and they're doing it, engineering it from soy plants, and basically it's not animal-based, it's Mm soy-based. And so people eat this because they want to have the taste of a burger, and they want it to be safe for the planet. And I can understand that. There's some issues involved here. You know, animal-based protein, there's a carbon footprint with animal-based protein, using lots of resources for animal-based protein and so on. But I want to talk about the burger itself. So first of all, let's look at it. It is an industrialized product. Does right. it use natural ingredients? Yes, but it's an industrialized product. So in my well, mind... Well, wait a minute. It has, it's plant-based, so... It's plant-based, but they're putting it together. If you to follow Michael Pollan, Michael Pollan is a great writer, and his dictum, if it, if it has more than five ingredients, it's artificial, and it's industrialized-based. So to my mind, these burgers are a Twinkie in disguise. Now, keep in mind, Twinkies are bad for you, right? They're <laughs> high fat, and they're <clears throat> sugar, and they're, you know... They're creamy and they're delicious. You know, you're having a Twinkie in there. It's got 42 ingredients. I've never had a Twinkie. You've never had a Twinkie? You know what, Tom? I am going to get a Twinkie. (laughs) And we are going to to video this. Carl, we're going to both eat Twinkies. We're going to come here and we're going to definitely do a Twinkie eating contest. And we are going to put it on our YouTube video. I I think, is that agreed? 
That sounds good to me. Can you maybe do a Twinkie versus Impossible Burger? Comparison? Oh, you know what? I like it. We're going to get an Impossible Burger, and we're going to get a Twinkie, and we're going to taste both of those and see exactly what they sound, what they taste like, uh, what they sound like. But anyway, getting back to getting back to this mm-hmm. issue. So, first of all, I think I, I, you know there are veggie burgers that taste like veggie burgers, and some of them are really, really good. Then there are then there's the portobello mushroom. You go in and you have a portobello mushroom burger, and they taste really good. I happen to like portobello mushrooms and they taste excellent. But now we're trying to get people to have something that tastes like meat mm-hmm. to quote save the planet. But then we do a blank we do a blind eye to the fact that it's an industrialized product. And I think it's very important to realize it's an industrialized product. There's nothing natural about the product at all. It's totally artificial. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's plant-based, but it's artificial. So then you're saving the planet on one hand, but if you want to have something that's natural, even though it's natural and it's got other stuff and it's artificial. And what does this combination mean? Well, we know that Mother Nature, in her infinite wisdom, has produced plants that are useful. We know a veget- more vegetarian-based diet is useful. The Mediterranean diet, king of diets, uses some animal proteins. A good veggie diet is very healthy for you. Is this healthy for you? Maybe it's an industrialized product. 20 years from now, we may see, hey, if you mix heme from here, one of the things they put in, soy from here and something from there, all of a sudden has untowards consequences on our health. So I don't particularly, as you can tell, Mm -hmm. think this is a great idea. But I think it's an idea who's come because we in America like to have things that are healthier than Cheetos. Mm. Well, I've been zoned out here because I have no interest in either a plant-based <laughs> burger or a Twinkie. So but you are let, gonna, me, let me wake you, up here. You are going to try a Twinkie and a plant-based burger, I, I, I ask, because I think you're going to see there's a difference. And we'll see what the taste is. And we will also look and see how many ingredients are in each. Yeah. Well, you're the boss. so yeah. I'm the boss. Yeah. Thank you. Tell that to Penny and we'll see what happens. <laughs> 800-462-7413. Back to the phones we go now, Zorba. We welcome a listener in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hi. Hello, Tom. Hello, Zorba. I called a few months ago about my son, my 13-year-old son and his autism. Oh, yes. Going on a cruise. Yes, 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 yes. Tell us about it. What happened? Heads up, he did excellent. Excellent, excellent. Zorba, I took that boy to the airport uh, a couple days before the trip, and he was absolutely amazed by all the uh, planes and such. Then when time came for our trip, we got on the plane and started our ascent, he started to freak out there for just a second, and then I made him look out the window, and he was absolutely amazed. Mm, nice. Oh, man. Nice. And uh, we got on the ship and started our cruise. I let him have the run of the ship. He had his own key card for the door and everything. Nice, nice. And uh, we got to... Uh, uh, Half Moon K in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. We got off the ship two hours early uh, for our excursion mm-hmm. and played out in the ocean before we swam with the stingrays. Nice. Oh, how we were you? in the water for three hours. Oh, how nice. TSA confiscated his sunblock. <laughs> we got toasted. I don't know if anybody's ever aware of it, but this one time, Half Moon K in the Bahamas had deep fried chicken legs. Oh, <laughs> deep fried chicken legs sounds delicious to me. Tom is smiling. He's got a Cheshire cat smile on his that face. Works. Yeah, that, that works one. right. That's what he says. Forget the industrialized burger. I want deep fried yeah, chicken legs. Right? <laughs> well, my legs were burnt from the knees down. My son's back was toasted. Uh, we spent the next day on the ship trying to recover from our sunburns. And then the third day, uh, we got off 
and uh, Amber Coast, Dominican Republic. Oh, how wonderful. And uh, did the Traditions and Tastings Tour. How wonderful. And he had an absolute blast. How wonderful. So bringing him to the airport, talking with him, the advice that that we discussed together, and Mm -hmm. doing that really all made a difference so that he was able to enjoy this and enjoy having this wonderful time with you. And and having his meds with him helped a whole lot, too. Of course. He only had two or three instances Mm -hmm. where he uh, uh, gave me a little bit of a fit, but Mm -hmm. overall, it was a wonderful trip until we got back to Florida. Mm -hmm. We were stuck. You were stuck. In Fort Lauderdale. For 12 hours. Oh, oh gosh. It was midnight before we got home. Oh, in the airport. <laughs> in the airport for 12 in hours. In the airport, yes. <sighs> How did he do oh, that? How was he there? How is it? I mean, any of us would freak out in the airport for 12 hours. Just ask Tom, mm-hmm. right? I would, we would, all, we would yeah. all freak I'm yeah. serious. We would all be upset. I mean, you ask anyone, and if they're in the airport for like more than three or four hours, they immediately go, it's the worst experience of my life. And really, I mean, yeah, right. It's, how was he in the airport for those 12 hours? He was all right. He only, huh. like, there again, he only had one or two instances there. I would have more than that. <laughs> I would have more than one or two instances. Yeah, right? Yeah, I just wanted to give you heads up. It was a, it was a trip that almost wasn't, that was a blast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you shared that with us. And I think the important thing here is for any parent with an autistic child that there are ways that you can, uh, that you can enlarge that envelope. You know, you can think outside of the box, enlarge that envelope, and with Mm -hmm. a little bit of thought, begin to make some changes so that child can then engage in activities that are pleasurable and are not limiting. And this will open up his horizon in some ways and is clearly going to improve his life from this point on. And you should really be, uh, I want to congratulate you on taking this chance. You know, because you didn't know you were going to be on the boat. You didn't know what was going to happen. You hoped things would go well, but you didn't know and you were ready for anything that was going to occur. And what occurred was awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you for all you've done for everyone that listens. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for the compliment. Appreciate it. Tom, enjoy your twinking. Yuck. <laughs> you all have a great day. You too. You too. Thanks Take so care. much for the call. Before the break now, Zorba, the boss isn't looking, so let's check the Zorba Pastor on Your Health Facebook page. Time again to fire up the segment we call Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. Okay, Zorba, here's a post from Rick in Springfield, Missouri. And Zorba, this is from Rick in Springfield, not Rick Springfield, the pop singer. (laughs) (laughs) And because we're always. As if I really thought it was Rick Springfield, the pop singer, that's exactly right. (laughs) Because we're always looking for an excuse to play music on the show. Always. Here's a quick taste of Rick Springfield's 1981 tale of unrequited love called Jesse's Girl. I wonder what Jesse's girl looked like. I've got an image in my mind. You probably have an image in your mind, and all of our listeners have an image in their minds. Can't we hear the rest of that song? Not at this moment. That was Rick Springfield, the pop singer. Rick and Springfield, the (laughs) Facebooker, wrote the following. Ticks and chiggers are our friends in the Ozarks. They are what keep us from being up to our necks in Californians. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Our writer continues, they buy land in the Ozarks, sight unseen, and then experience ticks and chiggers (laughs) for the first time and abandon the loan, forfeit, the down payment, and go away. During tick season, the old-time hillbillies wore bib overalls with no underwear or socks and a long-sleeve shirt unbuttoned. The lack of underwear and socks 
gave the ticks no tight clothes to use for purchase to burrow in, <laughs> and the open shirt gave access to the unbuttoned vents on the sides of the overalls in oh. order to pick off the crawling ticks before they reach your <laughs> n- nether regions and get a chance to dig in. They also put kerosene on the bottoms of their pants and on their shoes, but the newfangled bug sprays work and smell better. And you don't light up when you don't light up when you have your cigarettes with the kerosene on there. You know this is similar to to when we used to uh, some of the old time farmers would use WD forty on their joints to try to make their joints work better. Kerosene, by the way, I've heard about kerosene for yeah. years. That was an old fashioned treatment. But you know, there's that smell to kerosene, and you could tell then somebody had been in yeah. the tick in, yeah. in the tick areas. Uh, you know, I you know what I really liked. I liked the way that it sort of painted a picture of what it was like, or what it is like to be in the Ozark during tick and chigger season. So, not too much information there. Oh no, no, oh, okay. I don't think that's too. Uh, that's not TMI. And you want to know why? We have California listeners that were ready to buy <laughs> land in the Ozarks, and they're not going to buy it today because they've been listening to us. So it'll keep away that California dream, and it won't be Ozark dreaming. They may have turned off the radios. <laughs> Let's hope not. Have a healthy living question for the good doc. Just post on our Facebook page, or you can always send us an email at zorba at wpr O-R-G. Our healthy recipe coming up along with more of your calls, of course, right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here with Zorba Pastor on your health. 800-462-7413, the number to call if you have a question for Zorba. But before our next call, Zorba, couscous and cherry salad. And you actually said you liked it. Well, you didn't say it, but you said, I think, well, you kind of implied that you liked it at the beginning of the show. A cherry salad. Cherry salad. <laughs> cherry couscous. <laughs> but couscous is actually a pasta. People don't realize that. They sort of think of it as a grain, but it's mm-hmm. not. And there really are two types of couscous. There's uh, often couscous, which is very small in a box, sort of, I think of it as regular couscous. And then there's Israeli couscous, which are little balls. They're, little, they're, they're larger. And I like the Israeli couscous. And they cook differently. One is sort of like instant. You have hot water in it, and it sort of instantly sort of expands because it's really a pasta. It's an Italian pasta. But the Israeli couscous, which is much bigger, I think is more flavorful and has a better texture. Mm -hmm. And the reason I mention this is you're going to start out with three cups of uncooked couscous. Try to say that about ten times. Uncooked couscous. Uncooked couscous. (laughs) (laughs) Uncooked uncooked couscous. Um, Peter Piper. Anyway... Uh, and you got to pick your couscous. The most common couscous mm-hmm. you find in a store is what I call regular couscous. But the Israeli couscous, you have to often look somewhere else. Okay. Unless three, you've got a store with both. Three cups uncooked couscous. That's right. Now, a quarter cup, if you can get it, a pomegranate molasses. You may not be able to get it. You could use regular molasses, which is cane-based. But pomegranate molasses has a different taste to it mm-hmm. because it has sort of a sweetness to it and flavor. So try to get that. And if you're going to get the couscous and go to a store, I bet they have pomegranate molasses, too, because it's probably a really good store. Quarter cup. Pomegranate molasses. Two tablespoonfuls of rice wine vinegar. All vinegar is not the same. Mm -hmm. It tastes like vinegar, but there's apple cider vinegar, rice wine vinegar. There's balsamic vinegar. Use rice wine vinegar. Two big tea rice wine vinegar. No substitute here. Third of a cup of extra virgin olive oil. Third of a cup extra virgin olive oil. Juice from half a lemon. That's uh, juice from a half a lemon. A teaspoon of real salt. 
Little tea? Salt? Teaspoon of real freshly ground black pepper. <laughs> Some freshly ground black pepper? Two cups of real cherries pitted and quartered. Two cups of cherries pitted and quartered? <laughs> I said, one cup, I guess I'll stop saying real. One cup, about four ounces of almonds. Cup of almonds? That's right. A half cup of toasted pine nuts. Half a cup toasted pine nuts. Half red onion diced. Half a red onion diced. There's a lot of stuff in here, isn't yeah. there? A one and a half cups of packed fresh parsley. And if you have mint and like mint, you can mix some mint leaves in there, too. This does look good. A cup and a half packed fresh parsley and mint leaves. I thought it was really pretty good. So you said it sounds good to you. Hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. It's not a beef dish. You know, usually if it's a non-beef dish, you generally are not that excited, <laughs> I have to tell you. Half cup of freshly crumbled feta. If you don't like feta, you don't have to use it, but feta really is good. Half a cup fresh crumbled feta. Okay. Cook the couscous in boiling water according to the direction. Season with a little salt and then put in that a little olive oil in there because that'll make it easier. Drain the couscous while it's still al dente. I pronounced it correctly for the Italians. <laughs> out there, al dente. And by the way, my uh, my son-in-law is Nicholas. Uh, his name is Nicholas. He is Italian, and it's Nepali, and so that's Italian. And by the way, I have a new grandchild. Oh, congratulations. Lorenzo, Lorenzo Bellafiori Nepali. Can you tell that he's Italian? <laughs> Holy mackerel. <laughs> Half Italian, Lorenzo Bellafiori Nepali. I just thought I'd throw that in. Anyway, yeah. uh, you, uh, anyway you drain the couscous. I uh, still want to make sure that it's about al dente. Uh, rinse the couscous in cold water to stop the cooking. Set it aside. Then in a medium bowl, whisk together pomegranate molasses, rice wine, vinegar, like we said, the olive oil, lemon juice, salt, and pepper. Add this to the couscous. So it's all added, mixed around together. Then put in the cherries, the almonds, the pine nuts, and the onion. Wonderful. And then freshly mince the fresh herbs. Put them off to the side. Don't forget the feta. Put it off to the side. And then let people put on the fresh herbs, the feta, and put it off to the side. And I want to tell you something about fresh herbs that I think people should really do, at least I do, in the summer. You know, in Wisconsin, we have winter. And in winter, things don't grow outside. But what we do... Let me write that what I do, That's right, so you know that. <laughs> but in the summer, I have like 10 different pots of fresh herbs. I have parsley. I have, uh, I have a couple of things of wonderful basil. I have a rosemary. I have, uh, you know, I, I have other fresh onions and chives and things. And what I do is when I want fresh herbs in our salad, I go outside and chop up a bunch of them, cut them out, bring them in, chop them up with a cleaver, and then put them on top of a salad. And they have this great aroma. And and in the wintertime, we then grow basil inside. And there's nothing like fresh herbs to make you feel really good on top of anything like this, like with a salad. It just brings out an aroma that is just wonderful. And that's what's great about this. The fresh herbs we said were some parsley and mint. Parsley doesn't add that much of a smell to it. You could use basil. You could use chives. You could use rosemary. Anything on top of it is going to make this stand out and going to make anyone who eats this say, wow. This is great. Yeah. I'll say, well, just listening. My mouth is watering. It's great. Yeah. If Tom likes it, you'll like it too. <laughs> Want a copy? Come to our website, zorbapastor.org. That's zorbapastor.org. And don't forget, you can find us through Facebook. Want to call us? 800-462-7413 is our number. Now back to the phone, Zorba, a listener with us in Lake Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Well, thank you for taking my call. I hope you can settle a question. Always, always. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. When you, because you said settle a question, I always have with me a gavel. And I listen to it now. <laughs> That's how I do it. It's Judge Zorba. So I am going to settle a question. Please, I've got, my, I've got my robe on, my judicial robe. I've got my English wig on. Not really, but I like, they're probably itchy. And I am ready. Please. Well, Your Honor, someone came to my home. <laughs> Thank you for showing respect to the courts. <laughs> someone came to my home and said she doesn't like using the soap at my sinks because a bar of soap is dirty. Mm -hmm. She only uses liquid soap in Ooh. a bottle with a pump. Mm -hmm. I think using the same amount of time and effort, they would be equal. Mm -hmm. However, I think that that pump must be dirty because no one washes the <laughs> pump 
before they wash their hands. I never thought about that. You're right. (laughs) However, you do wash your hands after touching the pump. That's true. So maybe it's a wash, but... Maybe some brands are better than others. No, 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 no. You hit it right on the head. Maybe it's a wash. And that's I exactly don't fill the right. Land, I don't fill the landfills with plastic bottles. So <laughs> I, I think I'm doing the right thing with the bars. So. Actually, you're right. I've now made two decisions. Number one, it is a wash. The woman is wrong. Yes, somebody has touched the bar of soap, but you're putting it underwater and you're rubbing your hands with the soap. And so what happens is any bacteria that are in the soap are basically getting flushed down the drain. You're also right. Whoever is touching that pump has bacteria on that pump. And so when they touch the pump, it is just like holding the soap. But you, on the other hand, are doing a better job because you are not filling the landfill with unwanted plastic. And so in the end, you're on top. You're right. Continue using your bar soap in the house because you're doing a better job for the planet. Um, Now, it's very interesting. So I have a question. This is a friend who came to the house, I assume, right? Yes. And why did she have the audacity to to say that your (laughs) soap was dirty? I mean... I would never say that to somebody else, but I take it that this is a good friend of yours. Yes, we're still good <laughs> friends because we can talk to one another That's like right. that. See, if it's somebody who is just outside, like somebody who is just an acquaintance, they would never call your, your soap dirty that's, because they would never, never be invited back <laughs> in the house. That's kind of weird. You can be nice to a stranger, but you can insult a friend. That's right. You can insult a friend because they don't take it as an insult. Right. That's exactly right. It is kind of weird, isn't yeah. it? But I, knew, but I knew right away it was a good friend. It wasn't somebody who came in the house and said, thank you for inviting me. By the way, your soap is dirty. <laughs> I've never thought about liquid soap. Cause, thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you for calling me Your Honor. I appreciate that. No one has ever done that in the history of Judge Zorba. Nobody has ever called me Your Honor. You have a great day. You too. And thank you for the call at 800-462-7413. You know, it's Wisconsin nice. You can insult your friends, but you would never insult an acquaintance. (laughs) 800-462-7413. 800-462-7413. I see you still have your black robe on, Zorba. So let's get to our next segment we call Judge Zorba. I got to do it. Wait, here we go. The court is in session. <laughs> the following email came to us from Greg in Wisconsin Rapids. He writes, I will soon be 70 years old and have had a pretty good diet over the years, mainly thanks to my wife. <laughs> I, that, I, I, that's I very that. good. I get Why, that. You get that. I, I always stay in shape by jogging every day, he says. I'm thinking that since I probably have maybe an only another 15 or so years of life left, I could just forget about a good diet and start eating more ice cream and bacon. My thinking is that those, in quotes, bad food items are mostly bad over a long term. At this point, I could probably have ice cream every night and bacon three times a week because there isn't much time left for a long-term effect, right? Well, it depends on your age. If you're 95 years old, you're probably right. It really is not going to make much of a difference. But if you think you're old and you're 65 years old, I don't think that would be the case. So I have to. He, I, says, he I, says 70 years, so. So he thinks he has 15 years left. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to make a judgment, everybody. Yep. Okay, so uh, do I do the gavel first or do I do the judgment? No, I think I do the You're gavel You're the judge. First. Do what you I'm want. The judge. <laughs> Judges do. I'm going to do the gavel first. Are you ready? I hereby declare that actually eating right will keep you alive and healthier longer and that the ice cream daily and three bacons a week are not going to be good for your health at the young age of 70. But... 
if you're 102 years old, I think you can eat whatever you want. <laughs> Have a case you need settled. Judge Zorba is here to help. Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. More of your calls coming up. Another interesting topic to talk about. All right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. The number is 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But before our next call, Zorba, the FDA wants graphic warnings on cigarette packs. Right, absolutely. Many, many countries, Canada and a number of European countries, most European countries, don't say smoking may be bad for you. They actually put on pictures of graphic warnings. And I want to go through some of these because I think they're really important. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm looking at a total of uh, a number of these, 10 of them, and it's smoking causes harm to your children. Smoking in pregnancy stunts fetal growth. Smoking causes age-related macular degeneration that can lead to blindness. Smoking causes bladder cancer, reduces blood flow to the limbs that may cause amputation, smoking causes cataracts, smoking causes COPD and lung disease that can be fatal, smoking causes lung cancer, of course, heart disease, strokes, clogging of the arteries, diabetes type 2, fatal other fatal things, and for boys and men, reduces the ability to have an erection and an orgasm, erectile dysfunction. And they want pictures on this. I was just going to say, they want pictures. Well, the pictures are good. The pictures are graphic. Now, what about adults who are smoking for 20 years? They're not going to be affected by the pictures. It's probably not going to do much. What about teenagers who are vaping and then move to smoking? They may be affected like this. What about young people who are considering taking up smoking and they see photos? That may actually turn them off. So, you know, the old folks who are smoking for 20 years and say, oh, I don't really care, I'm going to smoke, I'm going to die anyway. It's not for them. It's for people who may pick it up. And the old folks might actually eventually, when they look at these graphic things, say, hey, doc, I want to quit. Can you help? Because we've got pills that help. We have patches that help. We have gum that helps. And the reality is there are still too many people who smoke in America. It was 59% of the men and 49% of the women back in the 60s before the Surgeon General's report. And in Wisconsin, it's still 18 or 19%. And it costs, if you're a pack-a-day smoker, it costs you 3500 to $4,000 a year. Yeah, I think if you're an older person, having that pack with a picture on it might do some good anyway. It might. It might. Now, listen, you smoked a pipe for many years, yeah. and then one day you said... I'm not going to smoke it, That's right? it. That's it. I threw and the you pipes away. And you threw the pipe yeah. away. So the reality is old folks can learn things. You can't teach an old dog or an old cat new tricks. So it may affect old people. I think it's really a lot of it is directed towards young people. But the fact is verbal warnings are okay. Graphic warnings are better. A picture is worth a thousand words. One day you may pick up that graphic warning cigarette that's right on there and say, I want to quit. And that's the day you actually improve your life. Because we know the day you quit smoking, you actually reduce your risk factors. So if you think you should quit smoking, why not quit? 1-800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. Back to the phones we go now, Zorba, with a listener in Chicago, Illinois. Hi. How are you doing, Doctor? How are you doing today? Great. Cool. I, my question is, I've had stomach problems. I'm age 59. I've had stomach problems for all years. And what I ended up doing was I noticed that when I ate canola oil, I would get severe esophagus burn. Hmm. Secondly, anything with corn syrup, mm-hmm. and I, I feel it's due to the Roundup, mm-hmm. uh, that's in sprayed mm-hmm. in our corn for the crops for the wheat that mm-hmm. gets into the corn, mm-hmm. into the beef, mm-hmm. into everything. And I don't really hear too many people mention about Roundup, obviously because of the the Monsanto. It's a huge issue, but mm-hmm. not too many people discuss it. But I managed to cut the hydrogenated oils out, canola out, mm-hmm. 
and wheat, because mm-hmm. I guess they spray the crops right mm-hmm. before they harvest the wheat mm-hmm. with Roundup. So you're ingesting that. Yeah, but, I, but, I, but I want to take issue with this for a second. Sure. I have never seen evidence that Roundup is actually in wheat, canola oil, or corn syrup. However, it definitely used, is used in the processing. But I've never seen any evidence that it's actually in the food. So well, you're, the fact that you're intolerant of wheat and canola oil and corn syrup... I can understand that. First of all, corn syrup is not good for us. It's a highly concentrated food source, which may be good in small amounts, and it may be responsible for obesity. There's some people who think that's the case, and indeed, high fructose corn syrup may be the issue. So I, I think high fructose corn syrup is basically an anathema because it puts on lots of calories, and we don't need sweetness. Canola oil is an oil, and some people are intolerant of peanut oil, canola oil, avocado oil. We have individual differences. And from a wheat point of view, if we look at sprue and tropical sprue and people are on gluten-free diets, we know wheat can actually affect some people. So the food intolerances for all three of these things actually make some sense. Just from a gut point of view, you might really have problems with these things. And you're not limited. I mean, if you don't use canola oil or corn syrup, who cares? And you can have a gluten-free diet and do just fine. How's your health since you've done the, put these things into order? Oh, I've been perfect. It's, uh, I've lost 20 pounds. Great. Um, Great. haven't had any stomach issues whatsoever. Excellent. Excellent. What, I'm, what I'm truly believing, though, mm-hmm. how can it not be in the corn when they have the hybrid corn that is intolerant to Roundup? Well, if we don't find it in the corn and it's tested because corn is, you know, these products are tested. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I can't tell you how it's tested. But they're tested for insecticides. You can have, you can have Roundup, which basically gets rid of weed on the crop itself, but it doesn't mean the manufacturing of the corn actually has it. How can it not be in there? I haven't seen any credible evidence that it's actually in the food stream. However, there are issues of of the use, you know, of the use essentially of things that actually get rid of, get up the bugs that are actually affecting our food. So that's where people go to organics. And but you don't need corn syrup. I wouldn't look. I wouldn't get organic corn syrup. We don't need that. You could get organic canola oil, but I would just stay away from these foods. How is it not in there? I haven't seen evidence that it's actually in there. But you bring up a good question nonetheless. I think it's a very good question. The other problem is then people are afraid of of genetically modified crops that do not need insecticides. So on the other hand, people say, I don't want this genetically modified soybean because it doesn't need an insecticide within it. And then people get upset with that. And the, the reality is the green revolution really comes from fertilizers, insecticides, and genetically modified crops. And that's reduced famine. If you remember 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we heard of famine all over the world. And you go to World War II, there was famine in Germany and famine in Japan throughout World War II. And there's one theory that that had a lot to do with the war. So you've got, you've got a lot of players in here. I don't want to make this more complex, but it actually is complex. Oh, yeah. Stay away from corn syrup. Stay away from canola oil. Stay away from wheat. It's good for you. And keep losing weight. That is awesome. Yep, I will do. I just, like I say, I think more reason needs to be oh, done. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and Absolutely. they're not willing to do it. I mean, I've seen some class action suits already against the uh uh, I, the, uh, I always, there, there are players in the game. There is no, there is no doubt about it. There are players in the game. There, there always are. And, and making sure that our food supply is safe is really an FDA. That's what the FDA is for. And they have to work on it. And we always have to continue to look at it because we've got to make sure that our food supply does not have things in it that we don't want to have. So PCBs and others, we want to keep things out of our food supply. You bring up some really, really good, really good ideas there. I really appreciate that. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, Zorba, let's check in again now with your favorite nitpickers and backseat drivers, the Grammar Police. Actually, Zorba, this correction comes from the Pork Police. <laughs> I haven't heard it. This is Porky Pig talking about the Pork Police. That's what we need. We need Porky Pig. That would be great. A listener named Dolores sent us the following email. Dr. Zorba, on a recent show, you mentioned that Tom might have had prosciutto in Spain. Wrong country. 
Prosciutto oh, yes, right. is from right. Italy. Oh, sorry. Sorry, 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 in, sorry, 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 in, sorry, sorry, sorry. In sorry. Spain, you <laughs> would right. be served jamon serrano, right. grain-fed right. white pigs, <laughs> right. or jamon iberica, pigs fed on some grain. That's right. But mostly <laughs> on acorns they encounter in the countryside where they graze. Sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. And I love all different kinds of jamon, and I love prosciutto. And so, I, uh, Deepao, I apologize. Thank you so much for bringing that up to me. I wouldn't call that nitpicking. I would call that knit picking. So it's jamon, <laughs> not jamon. It's jamon, not jamon. And you know something? The real issue is Italy, not Spain. Got let's, it. let's look at the bottom line. I got my countries mixed up. And do you feel like squealing on Zorba? <laughs> Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. Let's see if we can help another caller now, Zorba, at 800-462-7413. A listener with us now in Hurley, Wisconsin. Hi. Hello. I got a question about, I don't know if you want to call them uh, muscle cramps, muscle spasms, uh, Charlie horses. Mm -hmm. But when I wake up in the morning, if I lay in bed and stretch, I'll give my calf a Charlie horse or a muscle spasm. Mm -hmm. And this happens throughout the day. Not just my legs, but if I uh, say I'm turning, loosening a bolt that's tight, my fingers will cramp up. Mm-hmm. Loosening, that, wait a minute, loosening a bolt that's tight, for instance, in what? Like on a car, a tractor? Yeah, something that you have to exert some kind of pressure in mm-hmm. order to, you know, get it off or put it on or whatever. And my two little fingers on my left hand will curl up and cramp. Mm-hmm. How old are you? 69. 69. So you've got back cramps, leg cramps, finger cramps. And I I know one of the things you're thinking about is hydration, and I drink a lot of water, so Mm -hmm. I kind of rule that out myself. But I'm just curious if that is some kind of a a warning sign for something else. You know, it is a warning sign. You know what it's a warning sign of? Old age. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. You hit it right on the head. You hit it right on the head. You got your medical degree from Zorba Pastor University. That's exactly it. It's a warning sign of old age. It's not a warning sign of imminent death. I mean, we're all going to die. But... uh, but uh, but it is a function of aging. You know, when you're younger, you don't get as many cramps. And I've read a lot about it because I get questions about Charlie horses. And stretching exercises help Charlie horses. If you have it in bed, heavy bed covers, especially if you sleep on your back, will push on your feet. And sometimes they will cause uh, a Charlie horse. Cramping in your fingers, part of that is really a, a part of what goes on with osteoarthritis. And so, uh, yes, it is a symptom of something as we get older. And I've never seen anything which actually shows how to get rid of it. I mean, physical therapists will say, do your stretching exercises. Well, when you do it, you still tend to get cramps. I mean, I've tried it. I periodically get cramps. They come and go. Hydration makes a difference. There used to be a drug called Quinom, which is made of quinine. You can only get it in Canada now. You can't get it in the U.S. And that's because double-blind, placebo-controlled studies showed it was worthless, even though some people still believe in it. It is the placebo effect. And so uh, the answer is um, uh, continue uh, getting uh, older, and you'll continue with your cramps or die, and the cramps will go away. Um, I want to get to the bolt thing. So when you when you're pulling on a bolt, you find your fingers cramp a little bit. What do you do then? Stop and wait for them to loosen up. How long does that take? They, they, oh, it probably takes two minutes. And those, bottom, those two little fingers on my left hand will ha- do a half curl, and they'll just kind of sit there for a uh-huh. couple minutes. And But, I mean, now it's to the point I'm getting used to it, mm-hmm. but I was just thinking... Is this a warning sign of something that I don't know is going on? No, it's not. It's not not a warning sign. Now, do you do that activity often where you're pulling on things in a very heavy way? Is that a common thing? Well, yeah. I'm busy. Uh, What do you do for a living? I mow lawns and I plow snow in the wintertime. I got 14 lawns and 14 driveways. So with lawns, you're fixing the mower, doing stuff with the deck, putting the plow on that, pulling and twisting like that. So one of the things you might try, by the way, before you do it, uh, is taking two a leave. 
anti-inflammatories might help you. And I would take it, you know, if you know, hey, it's, it's wintertime, I'm going to be, I have to do stuff with the plow and the deck. Take a couple of leave once or twice a day and see if that makes a difference. Anti-inflammatories can make a difference, especially if you've got a two-minute cramp. If you've got a 10-second cramp, it's not going to do much. But if it's a two-minute cramp, getting rid of that inflammation will make a difference. So I would try that and see what happens. Well, it's better than the alternative, I guess. So It's better than the alternative. <laughs> That's exactly right. You've got it. You've got it. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Before, before you leave, um, I'm too old and lazy <laughs> to cut my lawn and uh, do the snow. Can I hire you? <laughs> you sure can. I, I, the clock starts when I leave the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, me, let me think about that. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot for that call. Okay. <laughs> before we head out, Zorba, let's do the segment where you <laughs> get yelled funny. at. For oh. something you said on the show, uh-huh. here's another edition of Disagreeing with the Doc. The following email came to us from a listener named Monty, and he's referring to a caller on a recent show who asked you if there were any health risks of eating microwave popcorn. Monty writes... What's bad about microwave popcorn is the bag, perfluorooctanoic. You like that? Yeah, I like it. We pronounce it, although I don't know what it is, but I can imagine. It's a chemical. Yeah, those materials are released during the microwave process. You know, I I have to tell you, just because somebody says a chemical was released during the process in an email doesn't mean the chemical is released in the process in the email. This is something I have to do research on. And you know what? I'm going to answer this particular question on a different show. Do you disagree with something Zorba said? Now is your chance to let him know. Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. See you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Tom. If you missed How'd anything. I like the way I said that. Stay well, Tom. Yeah, that's very yeah, good. Be, 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 e- easier it's said, not the usual e- stay easier, well. Easier said than done. That's right. <laughs> if you missed anything during the show or just want to download our show podcast, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastor.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor On Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.